Welcome to the Solo BG Podcast. In this podcast, we talk about solo and cooperative games. We also bring you news, audio unboxings, Kickstarter updates, and interviews with amazing personalities around the industry. We hope you enjoy this episode. And now, here's your host, Derek Rodriguez. Hi, welcome to another episode of Solo BG Podcast, episode 121. And if this is your first time in the podcast, well, I welcome you. If this is not your first time, then I welcome you again anyway. This is a podcast where we talk about board games. Uh, we usually, well, not usually, but sometimes or most of the time we focus in solo board games or games that can have a solo mode, either official or, uh, you know, unofficial uh, but recently, as the episode evolved, we just went in and talked about competitive games as well. So it's just a, you know, I guess a board game, modern board game podcast. I'm so happy to be with you again. If you follow the podcast episode by episode, well, you probably noticed that it's more than a month since we published the last one. I apologize. I've been doing commitment with you guys over and over to post an episode every two weeks. I'm going to restart that promise and eventually, hopefully soon enough, you will know the reasons why, you know, I've been taking a little bit of time between episodes. Um, uh, one one reason is, of course, uh, my professional life, which is, you know, nothing related to the podcast <laughs> or the content creation. Um, I mentioned in the past, just for you to know a little bit about me, I work in healthcare and the professional life keeps me very busy most of the time. But also, uh, good stuff is happening in life, especially personally within my family. So that's another reason that hopefully in the near future, I will be able to share with you. In that way, I don't spoil it. Um, however, this is episode 121, and I'm so happy to be recording again and being with you, at least on the other side of the speakers, and you know, and to talk about uh, board games, or either you're listening to headphones or iPods or... Uh, beats or whatever fancy brand that you want to use to put uh, on your ears and but if you, or if you're driving on your car like I usually listen to podcasts as well I love to drive you know and and listen to different podcasts so if you're doing that well thank you for having me on your um, you know passenger seat on your back seat or rear seat or wherever you have me or, or the baby booster or wherever you want to put me that's fine uh, and I'm so happy to be with you uh, before we keep going I want to say hi to all of you that listened to the previous episode and how I do this of course as you probably have listened in previous episodes is that I mentioned the top countries and the top cities that they listened to the last episode pretty much so uh, countries we have in first place United States thank you so much and hi to all of you my fellow Americans uh, United Kingdom uh, Spain um, from my, uh, to my friends from España thank you so much uh, Australia Canada Netherlands Sweden Mexico of course my country and Serbia uh, the city is Madrid Madrid uh, Melbourne Victoria Los Angeles California Frankfurt Mexico City Massachusetts Barcelona Westminster London, Sydney, and what else we have here? Orem, Utah, Grunning and Grunning, Sao Paul, Minnesota, Stockholm, Bristol, uh, La Grande, Illinois, um, Palm Beach, Florida, nice, very nice place, and uh, New York as well, San Jose, California, Chicago, Illinois, Queens, New York, Knoxville, Tennessee. Oh, you know what? I love Knoxville, Tennessee, actually. That's a very cool place. My wife and I, we have been multiple times around there, and it's a very, very nice place. I love it. Seattle, Washington, Raleigh, North Carolina, Claremont, Florida, Etc., etc., etc. Thank you so much uh, for listening to this uh, episode or the previous episode, better say, of Solo BG Podcast. As I promised you, and we started on the previous episode, I wanted to bring you this year of 2023 a trilogy. I want to start the year with a trilogy, and I started back then on the last episode 120 with Endless Winter, Endless Winter, Paleo Americans, and I also talk about the expansion, uh, the Painting Caves, I think it is what it's called, uh, and I told you all about it. And then, today, in this episode, is the second part of the trilogy, and we're gonna talk about Dune Imperium with the Rise of X expansion, and also the other expansion, which is called Immortality. So I'm gonna tell you all about it, you know? Um, once again, this is not going to be a how-to-play kind of like audio thing, of course. This is not going to be a tutorial for the game, of course. And I'm repeating the same strategy with as far as recording goes, and I wanted to share this with you. 
Um, I'm having my handheld device recording with me, and I'm walking through the game room and looking at games and, you know, getting a little bit of inspiration. I mean, you know, I've been waiting to receive some of the pledges. For example, at the time of this recording, which is Friday, March uh, the 3rd, uh, 1.34 p.m., actually, I'm still looking at the Great Wall um, from Awakened Realms on my shelf. And I have the Deluxe Edition with not all the expansions. So I just play on the second printing the, all the expansions that I was missing. And I'm just so looking forward to get those expansions here and set up that epicness on my table. You know, everything that uh, Awakened Realm does, to me, in my opinion... Is just fantastic uh, production-wise, game-wise, everything. Um, I mean, I guess the only one that it's still very good, but I mean, at the same time, I feel like it's the one that requires the most commitment from uh, Awakened Realms is definitely Tainted Grail. Because, for example, in, in uh, and I guess I, I can dedicate an episode in the future for for to Awakened Realm games, but if we talk about either fields, and Tainted Grail, which both are like kind of campaign games. Well, the thing is that with either fields, you can I can start the campaign solo. Then you come to my house and we have a game night and I can have you incorporated and we keep going with the story. Versus in Tainted Grail, I don't think that's possible. So it's most likely that you will play solo or, or, or with the same group of friends. Now, what I have heard, I haven't finished it, my campaign of Tainted Grail, but what I have heard from people that actually finished the campaign is just that is mind-blowing that it's like a huge epicness anyway uh some news from awakened realms uh this week they posted a video where basically the uh, ceo and owner of um, awakened realms was you know playing an homage for the games that they released in 2022 and the games that they're releasing on 2023 and the one that I'm most excited about it, as you can guess, if you know me and you can, you have been following uh, this podcast in our social media, which, by the way, you should do, Solo BG Podcast, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, my favorite game of all times is Nemesis. I love Nemesis to death. I mean, Nemesis, ah, Nemesis has everything for me. But anyway, um, not only now we have Nemesis Lockdown, which I haven't played, and the only reason in my excuse of why I haven't played Nemesis Lockdown is because, well, I haven't painted the minis. So once I paint the minis, I will bring that sucker to the uh, to the table, and that way I can show you some pictures, once again, social media, uh, in that way you can see the epicness. But anyway, on the third quarter of this year, they're coming up with the, uh, the part three of the trilogy of Nemesis. And now the premise is, or at least what they can tell us, is that... Humans are more powerful, so at least to balance, kind of like, I'm vengeance, to balance that thing against the aliens or xenomorphs or however you want to call them, uh, copyright. <laughs> but um, uh, basically, we are kind of like sort of like marines now and soldiers, and we're jumping into the nemesis ship. I'm assuming that will be part of the story. Maybe you're going to pick up where things end on, on, on the first one, and then you come and kind of like have some revenge on those uh, aliens and be more powerful against them in that way they can feel how you feel every time that you play Nemesis or every time that I play Nemesis. But anyway, I'm looking forward to it. I actually closed my pledge today, my late pledge of Castles of Burgundy, now uh, made by Awakened Realms. Oh, it looks beautiful. Everything Sundrop is, is just fantastic. You know, I feel like this year uh, they're coming up with a few projects. Uh, the Dice Vault is another one that I'm very interested in. The dice are fantastic dice from the different games that they have released. And they're going to be telling some sort of a story. That's what we know so far. There's another game uh, named Dragon something. I don't remember exactly the name or if it's the dragon only. But anyway, it's a one to two player kind of like narrative game. And, you know, with dragons and fights and stuff. So that's I'm looking forward to it. Of course, the Nemesis. Um, there was another one which I don't remember which one was it. But anyway, there's five projects or four projects for this year from Awakened Realms that I'm really looking forward to to back them. Of course, those games are expensive, but in difference versus other games and products, I feel like when you go into an Awakened Realms pledge, you actually get value for your money because it's kind of like a secure, because not only you have, you, you know that you're going to have a very well done play test game that is probably works fine, uh, but also the production that you get and the resale value that you can get as well from their games is pretty solid. So that's why I think like if someone asked me like, 
risk-wise, right? Like if you're debating between uh, doing a pledge, I don't know, and I'm going to put, I guess, the big competitor, the big competitor there, like Simon Games or Awaken Realms. I feel like Awaken Realms, in most of their products, if, if not to say all of their products, you're going to get resale value versus Simon. Not in all of them. Simon, you will get resale values where, you know, Cthulhu that may die and, and you have like a comic exclusive and Kickstarter editions things. But Awaken Realms, I feel like even if it's retail edition, the resale value is it's very solid. So I don't know. I feel like right now, in this moment in my life and, you know, as a gamer, I think uh, my favorite publisher definitely is Awaken Realms. But anyway, we're taking the subject totally away from the from the episode today, and that's because that's what I get for recording while I walk in the game room and see all these covers of games. And man, there's so many games. You know, the other one that is interesting is Uprising, and I did an episode about it. I got the Arch Nemesis expansion. Uh, Uprising is basically like a, kind of like a Euro cooperative game that it has a lot on, on it. It's very immersive, but I find it hard to bring it back to the table because of that epicness that takes for, you know, for, you know, the setup and everything. Um, and it requires time. So, I, you know, I'm, I might be bringing Uprising soon to the table again. Oh, Side, that's another one. The new Side, uh, I guess, Chapter 2, if you want to call it. The game that is inspired by Side. I don't remember the name on the top of my head right now. But that one is coming in the summer. You can go to stonemeyersgame.com and... Uh, Expedition is called Expeditions, and you can, uh, you know, basically pre-order the the deluxe edition, which is $100, I believe, or the retail edition, which is like $60, but the the deluxe edition comes with metal, metal mechs, and man, side is one of my favorites too, so I'm watching the big box here that I have mostly everything except the Rise of Fenris, which it's on my bucket list, believe me, to buy it on the next couple of weeks, but anyway... Uh, that's another game that you should keep on the loop and probably go and check out. Let's talk about today's episode. Once again, the idea of this trilogy is that we talk about Endless Winter, now we do an Imperium with expansions, and then on the next episode, we're going to talk about Arnak with the Leaders expansions. And um, at that point, I'm basically going to tell you which of the three I will take with me and just being by myself in an island in that way I can play it solo. <laughs> and over after that, I will tell you like which one I think from the three of them it's probably the champion, right? Because there's always this debate, like, well, Endless Winter is like Arnak and Dune. Dune is like Endless Winter. Well, they, Dune came before, but anyway, you see what I'm saying. And then Arnak, well, it's kind of the same thing, but different theme, Indiana Jones. So, so there's always a comparison of those three. And I wanted to, this year, at least from the Solo BG podcast standpoint, uh, settle things for good and be like, okay, this is like the, the one that we should go to if we want to have a champion and a quote-unquote champion, right? So that's the whole idea. Um, so anyway, do, if you, by the way, if you hear a lot of background, it's because right now at this time of the day here in Indianapolis, Indiana, we're pouring rain. It's raining. There's a flooding storm. Um, nothing crazy going on, but it's still like it's raining a lot, so you might hear some background noise. Anyway, Dune Imperium. Ah, here we go. In all the known universe, there is no more precious resource than the Spice Melange. Hope I pronounced it correctly. Found only on the harsh desert of planet Arrakis, also known as Dune. Control of the spice is a focal point of conflict among the great houses of the Imperium. In its pursuit, those vying for power seek alliances and support to secure their position. The governing counselors of the Landrad, the Chom, I guess C H O A M company, and its insatiable hunger for profit, the far sighted being Gesserit. The, spa- the spacing guild with its monopoly and folded full space travel, the Fremen wrestling warriors of the desert, even the emperor himself, and we're not talking about Palpatine here, is not about the struggle for dominance. Conflict is inevitable, and its outcome is certain. One thing is certain, however, whoever controls the spice controls the universe. And that's the description of Dune Imperium. Dune Imperium is a deck-building worker placement game that finds inspiration in elements and characters from the Dune legacy, both the new film from Legendary Pictures and the seminal literary series from Frank Herbert, Brian Herbert, and Kevin J. Anderson. Uh, you know, it's a basically a game based on the film Dune. I will put it this put it that way. Now, if you haven't watched Dune, um, as soon as you end the episode, go and watch Dune, because 
Oh my God, I watched it, um, I think it, when I was two, during 2021. Um, I watched the film and wow, I mean, it was just mind-blowing. And it was, you know, on those times where still like we had the COVID, like the pandemic and everything, as you can remember, you know, wearing masks everywhere and, um, you know, and all that stuff. But the movie, I watched it at home home theater and everything you know Derek uh, quote-unquote epicness for everything <laughs> and uh, oh my god I mean the music by Hans Zimmer the production of the movie the photography from the movie the script the actors the story um, the, the the tone of the movie you know it, it is beautiful beautifully done the scripts I mean the, the main cast you know um, Zendaya she's she, even if she's a little bit on the movie she's great uh, you know, the the actor that plays uh, Paul Atreides, fantastic. Uh, Oscar Isaac, I mean, like like everything he is, he's like, you know, very um, strong character there. Um, the actor, Skogard, you know, I think it is the one that plays the emperor. I mean, it's just it's just great. You know, have Batista there. It's also great. Jason Momoa. Um, you also have Mr. Thanos. Uh, I forgot his name, but the guy that played Thanos. <laughs> anyway, I mean, you have a great cast. And and, and and the film is just very beautifully done. You can see the, the different takes and different shots from different angles. It's a very appreciative cinematic epic movie. And and I got engaged. I had to say I got really engaged uh, with all those aspects from the film. Not only the, the story and the coolness, but also, you know, all the things that I just mentioned. And mostly, every time that you have Hans Zimmer soundtrack or Michael, Michael Giacchino soundtrack as well or um you know you 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 you're kind of like expecting that epicness already and, and it works very well it connects very well um and anyway the film got me very hyped and then I played the game uh and and, and I was looking forward to get that epicness on the game and and, and that, of course he was a little bit you know um uh unique because the game is not a like a like a dungeon crawler miniatures stuff game. I mean, it's not a nemesis or anything like that. It's a worker placement with deck building and research management and you know trigger of abilities and things like that. So I was a little bit, to be honest, I was a little bit concerned when I saw uh, how the game was. But then I played it and things changed, and I will tell you in a little bit. But anyway, that's uh, you know basically the intro of Dune Imperium. Now let me tell you what the BGG tells us about Dune Imperium. It's a game that it was released in 2020. Rank overall is in 12th place. Hotnets is in the 13th place. Now, this is the base game, uh, you know, data. 8.4 on BGG. Influence, intrigue, and combat in the universe of Dune. 1 to 4 players. The community says that it's best with 3 to 4. Uh, we will talk about that. 60 to 120 minutes. The weight complexity is medium, 14-year-old plus. It's language dependent, of course, because all the abilities that you get. Um, game type, you know, it's a strategy, of course, number nine. Uh, and it has a bunch of awards and honors. For example, it has 23 awards and honors. We have the Kenner Spiel, the Jarvis nominee, uh, and every nomination and, and prize that you can imagine, you know, in different uh, locations. Multiple Golden Geek. Uh, nomination and um, you know prizes as well or awards but anyway that's doing imperium let's talk little by little like how or what are you gonna find on the base game right so on the base game you're gonna have a board of course and the board is gonna be divided in different sections one section will be the influence track where you plan you're trying to get uh, influence or kind of like alignment, think of it that way, with some of the houses, right? You have the, the House of Corinon, which is the, the the ruthless emperor. You have the Spacing Guild. You have the uh, Ben Gesserit, and you have the Freeman. So you're trying to build alliances with those <clears throat> those uh, houses or factions. And as you get more alliance with them, uh, you get the chance to get victory points. Uh, so, for example, it's like an influence track. Each one of them will have three spaces. Uh, on the first half and then three spaces on the top half once you reach the second space on the bottom half you will get a victory point if you go lower then you lose that victory point if if you go keep going higher you keep that victory point but as you get to the next half of that influence track you're gonna get uh, one token if you're the first one and you're gonna get that extra that extra victory point you also since you're gonna have alliance with that house 
Well, it will it will help you to do certain abilities or to play certain cards. Uh, the, the interesting thing is that if you lose, you know, or if you don't lose, like better say, if you stay in the, in the second part on level one and then someone else reaches the second part and gets to level two, well, they take that token away from you, you get you lose a point and they gain a point, so on and so forth. So that's the idea of how the influence track works. But the, the thematic idea is that you're building alliances with all these houses. Then on the, on the other side of the board, you have kind of like the console, right? Where you can uh, you can do different things. Um, you can um, exchange some resources, you know, to get favors, uh, which the main currency will be Solari. Um, and then you can you basically uh, can uh, sit on the high console, which it will allow it will allow you to have more currency for buying cards, uh, you know, at the end of your turn. Which I will explain how it works in a little bit. Uh, you can also get a temporary extra worker to help you out. Everyone will start with two workers. But then uh, at some point during the game, depending on what you're doing and, and if you can exchange it for resources, uh, you will be able to get your extra worker, which we will be having technically three. And that usually will be achievable uh, with Solari at a very expensive uh, price of eight. But once you have eight, you can go to that location, uh, pay the eight Solari and get the extra worker that you can use basically right away. And then there's another area where you can, which, which that's the company, the Chome, I guess, or Quam or whatever you want to call it. Uh, where you can do the trading between Solari and Spice. And then you have the different, um, you know, areas of the board where you can go and get resources. Most likely will get, um, you, you will get more garrisons and, 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 and people to fight that you can place on the battlefield, which is another area on the board. Uh, you can um, also draw, be able to draw more cards, um, you know, placing cubes, which once again, it will be represented as, a, as the army and send them into the combat. The other area of the board will be the sandworms or the dune deserts, which is once again where you're going to be able to get, like I read you in the introduction, uh, you're going to be able to get from Arrakis all that spice, right? Because it's in the desert. And that's basically on the base game um, where you're going to be able to obtain different things. Now, on the other area, on the last area of the, of the, of the game, you wanna ha you're going to have those garrison places where you're going to have combat. Each, the board is going to divide it by four circles, which is like the basis. And every time that you get a cube resource, you will place it there. You will place one of your cubes there, which means that you have now one guy fighting for you. Now, some locations will have like the combat sign, which is like two swords. And once you go and take an action in one of those spaces, you are able to, if you recruit cubes, to put them directly into battle, but also bring up to two more from your garrisons into battle. And that's important because at the end of the round, uh, as I will explain in a little bit, uh, you got to fight and you're going to get rewards, and that's how you get victory points during the game. The, the timer of the game will be rounds, of course, and you're going to have different cards that you're going to set up for the rounds, uh, level 1, level 2, level 3. And usually the level 3s, they will give you more victory points. So that will give you time during the game to prepare with more garrisons, better strategies, and so on and so forth. That's as far as like the, you know, resource management and stuff and with the places that you can go that I just told you. Um, you're going to be playing your round with cards. The cards will have different uh, symbols, and those symbols will detect where you can go. For example, if he has like the Freeman symbol, that means that you can go and take a Freeman action because every influence space from the influence track will have two available actions that you can use. Uh, most of them will require a certain cost of water or, 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 or at least spice or, or solari, but other, other spaces will be not cost. So you just go there, you do your action, and that will allow you also to get an influence on that particular faction. And you will be advancing on that influence track, like I explained in the past. Um, also, you know, your cards will have symbols where you can go once again to the populated areas, which is where you draw cards, place cubes, all that stuff. Um, they will also have a, a triangle, which means that's the dune deserts, where you can get spice. They can have a green symbol, which means it represents the land rod, which is where you can go and uh, try to sit on the high console and all that stuff and try to get your extra worker, temporary worker. And the other space that you can go with the triangle is uh, to the uh, Coam or Chum, which is the exchange of resources. But in order to go to those places, you have to play a card that matches that symbol. At the end of your round, once you don't have any any workers more to play your send, basically what you're going to do is with the cards that you, uh, that you ended up in your hand, you're going to end your turn and you're going to be able to trigger their uh, basically purchasing value, which it will be two, one, or whatever, and then it's going to be a 
deck of cards where you're going to get a tableau of five and then you're going to be able to recruit cards from there to your discard pile like you can imagine like a deck building which uh, they will be more powerful they will allow you to do certain things depending on the alliances that you have and so on and so forth and also some of those cards that you keep in your hand will help you for combat so they will have combat values that it will allow you to increase on that combat track plus the army that you send from the garrisons or that you place directly into combat and then every round card is going to have rewards for whoever has the most, I guess, um, army power. So if I win the combat, I will get the top reward. Then the second place, the second, and the third one, the third one, and so on and so forth. And usually the top, the top rewards will be either a, a bunch of spikes, um, intrigue card, which those are allow you, to, those will help you as well to bring more power to the combat or do something crazy within your rounds, or uh, victory points. Uh, that's what usually the top tier will give you. The second tier will be usually Solarian Spice, and the third tier as well, either an Intrigue Guard, Intrigue Card, I'm sorry, or Solari or Spice. But that's how you. That's why you want to win combat because that's how you basically gonna get most of the victory points. Uh, when someone reaches ten victory points, the end of the game is triggered. We play one more round, uh, and uh, at the end, whoever has more points wins the game. The board goes all the way up to 12 victory points. So as you can imagine, it's kind of those games that it's, it feels very tied. You know, like you, you're not going to get a bunch of points in every round. You're going to get one or two. I mean, the craziness happened at, on the last rounds when you started playing three cards. So you have in three cards that will give you and victory point bonuses. Or if you do certain things, you're going to get some victory points. So in the last couple of rounds, one or two rounds, I will probably will say that that's where the big... Uh, chunk of points can come and play where you can get i mean i don't know up to four points in a round but that's like going doing something crazy most likely it will be one or two victory points per round and that's it and that's the idea of how the base game goes uh you also have uh, 31 house of haggle cards those haggle cards which represent the house of haggle they allow you to play the game two players or solo what do they do in two players? Well, basically, they um, block more stuff. They bring a, another uh, AI player from the same box. So you're just going to grab a character that you want to play against. And they will also start with resources and stuff. And they, they're they not going to have a, like a, 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 a deck of cards. But they're also going to be going to different spaces. And, you know, they're going to be trying to gather as most resources as they can. And then they're going to exchange those resources to for victory points. They're also going to bring people <clears throat> into the combat. I mean, they feel like like another player. So if you're playing two players, you bring some of those cards and basically it kind of behaves like if you were playing a three-player game because the, the ideal number for this game is, is I will tell you now, is definitely three. So if you're playing two players, uh, House of Hell card will help you. Now, if you're playing solo, you're going to take some of the cards that are designed for two players and you're going to have a deck of cards just for solo player. But you're going to bring two other AI, two other enemies, and you're going to be drawing one card for each and they will be resolving their turn and then it's your turn. So their turn is pretty much faster and easy. So um, that's the way to do it solo. That's how the Automo works. Now, on the other hand, if you don't want to be drawing cards, there's an app uh, from Direwolf Games, which is the publisher of this game. By the way, my bad that I didn't mention the designers of the game. Let me leave the box really quick here. It's designed by Paul Denon. But anyway, and uh, you know, published by Dire, published by Direwolf uh, games so uh, they did a great job with the app so if you don't want to you know shuffle that deck of cards you might as well can use the app if you're like me that you like everything physical well then you're gonna sleeve those cards and shuffle and, and and do it like the good old way now the first expansion that came out it was the rise of x right so with the rise of x we got more stuff to do and with the rise of x as i'm grabbing here the the rule book Basically, what it does, it, it brings you a new coam or chom. I hope someone can tell me how to say this properly. But anyway, the company board. And basically, you're going to uh, set it up on top of the high council area and the exchange of currencies area. Because now you have more interesting things to do. You're also going to get more conflict cards, more intrigue cards, and 35 extra cards that you're going to shuffle with the bazillion number of cards that you had from the first one. Um, you are also going to get more leaders. If you read the books, you're going to be very familiar with these um, characters. You're going to get tile text um, as well and some snooper tokens for a character that is called Tisha Vernius, which is one of the leaders. 
uh, and also it's going to give you more components for every player. Uh, every component, every player is going to get a disc, which it will be the representative of the Freighter token, and two dreadnoughts, which basically the dreadnoughts are like little spaceships that are going to be going and doing some cool stuff. Automatically, when I set up the expansion, one of the big things that came right up to my mind was, I don't want to spoil you, but there's a scene on the movie where you can see the ships landing, and it's kind of like they're going into war, and it's pretty darn epic, <laughs> it's fantastic, so that's what the first thing that came to, to mind. What's going to happen here? Well, now, with not only do you have the options from the base game, but you also... Um, eliminate that once again those spaces for exchanging currency which honestly you don't use as much during the base game and it makes it way more attractive because now you can send your ships over there to get rewards so as, as you send your ships to get reward you can get things like more soldiers you know for your garrisons you can get spies or solari as well or you can get tech tiles and the tech tiles they're very cool because there's 18 of them and they basically will give you more powerful abilities, you know, for each turn. For, for example, a, a tech tile will be wind traps. And the wind traps automatically, when you get it, you, you, first of all, you have to spend some spice to get those tech tiles, like everything, you know, you know, in the desert, you exchange your, your spice for technology, but you're going to get an award right away. For example, uh, wind traps will give you water. And then when you um, win a conflict, that technology is also going to give you more water. Just an example, right? So that's pretty cool as you go and, and, and you get more stuff with those chip, those ships. I'm sorry. I'm hungry. I guess I'm thinking about chips. <laughs> those ships. Uh, or you better say dreadnought. So basically, overall, that's what this new uh, expansion adds. So, you know, the, the use of those ones. Uh, the other thing that you can do is, once again, with your Friday disc, you can uh, advance in a shipping uh, track which is where you will be able to get more resources like i told you like the tech tile uh garrisons uh you're also gonna get uh you know solari as well or spies depending on what you're gonna do um you also have a negotiation uh that will pay will pay off eventually during the game um you can send you know uh your 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 some of your uh dragons there as well to get more influence there that you can use later um, to I guess reduce the cost of the of the um, of the technology tile, so it definitely adds more um, you know more stuff to do as you advance on the negotiation track and also on the um, on the frighteners track I guess let's call it and and also some cards will have some new abilities uh, that they will allow you to discard them and unload. Uh, which basically will trigger, they will allow you to have more combos as you play your cards. So not only you have now the deck building aspect of the game where you can get better cards with the abilities that you play during the game. Now with this expansion, you can actually kind of like mix in a better way your cards and you start to do some crazy combos and activate some crazy stuff by discarding them and, and unloading them. And that that's very, that's very cool. Uh, you have another card that... You know, they have special agents icons. Those are the infiltration cards or the infiltration decks. Uh, and they basically are like, you know, like a spy in a way. But they have some very cool abilities once again, once you combo them and trigger them with other cards. So that's another thing that this expansion adds. Um, you get also more uh, House of Hollow cards in case you play... Uh, two players or solo. Once again, you get new updated rule for solo uh, gaming variant and actually with some uh, difficulty variations as well. So not only do you have what you had on the base game, you add all these two different all, two different main spaces on the board that makes the game, I feel in my opinion, I will tell you right now, a little bit more, more uh, complete and more um, polished in a way. Uh, and then the last expansion that we have is Dune Imperium Immortality. Dune Imperium Immortality adds, first of all, another board. <laughs> and this board doesn't cover anything from the uh, old board. This is just a separate board. Uh, the Bin Talix or Talu are powerful French society in the Imperium, specializing in genetic engineering. House leaders must carefully consider the cost of dealing with them, both financially and ethical. Thalux uh, replacement organs are widely used through the Imperium, but their genetic grafting programs and hybrid creations 
are locked up on with suspicion. Human life cultivated in the mysterious axolotl. Oh my god, these words are so hard. Axolotl. <laughs> Tanks is most controversial of all. At the time, Duke Leto, a treatise, face uh, dancers were a closely held talisman secret used as spies and assassins. Galas were, Galas were new versions of people cre crafted from dead flesh. While lacking memories for their former selves, they did provide some comfort to the grieving through a twisted form of immortality. And that's the theme that we have for the expansion. Sorry for reading all the uh, <laughs> hard non-English paragraph or for non-English native speakers. Uh, what are we getting? We're getting a bean, uh, bean uh, tail clay lax board. Uh, we're getting some more Imperium deck cards. So we're getting 30 more plus the 35 from the previous expansion plus the big amount that you get on the full game or on the base game. Uh, you get uh, clay lux cards, uh, reserve card, uh, intrigue cards. Uh, you don't get more combat cards, but you get uh, two more discs, which one it will be the Claylex token, and there will be the research token. You got more cards for the solo and two players, and you have a family atomics token. So what's new on this game? Well, you have different tracks on this new board. You have the research track, and you have the Claylex uh, influence kind of like track. If you advise some advance on the Claylex, basically what it means is that at some point you're going to get more intrigue cards, then you're going to get victory points. Uh, and Solaris as well, if you're the first one. And then at the end of the track, you're going to get victory points. So it's like another way, if you want to see it, of kind of like an alternative influence track where you can get points as well. And then you have the new mechanic of research. And research is going to be done with a particular card from this expansion that as you play them, you are able to place, um, to move your disc one space to the right, and then from there, at some point, it will have two options. To It will branch out, and you can go either up or down, and you're going to keep advancing from left to right. And as you're going to new locations, you're going to get, you know, uh, more abilities. Um, like, for example, some of them will al allow you to get more, um, uh, you know, substance, I guess, for immortality, which those will be the same cubes that you use for combat from the base game. Well, now you have the option to either use them as a combat or if you focus on the research track, to try to, you know, get them there in that way at some point, that particular board will have deck of cards. I'm sorry, uh, yeah, a deck of cards with a three display one. One that is always available for everyone that you don't get it. You just do whatever it says, which is the reserve card. And two other ones that you can purchase with those immortality substance. Uh, and those cards are very powerful and available. They will work very well, uh, you know, in combo with the other cards and also on the same uh, research track. Um, at some point, once you cross uh, uh, area of the, um, of the research track, it will allow you to do more abilities or, or do better things, you know, during the game. Uh, for example, as you pass the first one, now it will allow you to get DNA um, and then on, on, once you get to the last part of the of the of the game or of that board, it will allow you to get two DNA. Now the DNA will help you also as well to do certain cool things with cards and abilities and so on and so forth, and to be able to 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 create some cool combos. Now the graft part of these cards, which is the new ability on these cards, is basically cards that match with other cards to trigger abilities that's what it does the same concept of combos but now you're grafting them together to basically become uh, more powerful both together cards if that makes sense so that's how you graft them one with the other and that's what this um, new expansion adds now the family atomic uh, token that you will get during the game you can spend it to one in one of your turns to remove all cards from the imperium room row meaning the ones that you can buy at the end of each turn, then do a new Imperium row from uh, the top of the Imperium deck. That's pretty cool, because since now you have more mix of cards for if you play with both expansions, well, this allows you to refresh if you don't like it. So if you're playing three players game, um, you know, <clears throat> if everyone used that token, the deck is going to be refreshed more quickly or or or, or a more uh, at a faster pace than if you just buy one per turn or two per turn. And that I found that is very, very cool because once again, now you're getting a bunch of cards, a bunch of cards where to choose from or where the possibilities can come from. Once you spend it, that's it, that's done. Uh, you're gonna get, um, you know, additions for the solo game. You get new House of ha House of Haggle cards for one or two players, which basically those uh, cards will be 
playing directly with the Telux uh, track and also basically taking away cards from the research track where you can buy them. Since there's only two, they're going to take either the left or the right. And that way, basically, they're taking away possibilities from you and kind of like blocking you. And overall, uh, that's, that's what you do. Now, as far as the genetic markers of the DNA, um, once again, the, the effects that you're going to have with, with them, it will be until you, uh, your, research, your research token has reached their level where you have DNA. Uh, once you reach the first genetic DNA marker, um, you can put a Talix cards that you acquire instead of in the, in the front of the discard pile, you can put them on top of your deck. Uh, once you uh, reach the second one, which once again is the end of the board, um, for the rest of the game, the research token can no longer adv ad 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 advance you because you're there, but you can draw a card, uh, and that's like another ability that it gives you. Uh, and once again, you have the immortality icon on every card, which will help you to determine which, uh, from which expansion each card is coming. Now, those are the three expansions that you have for doing Imperium, okay? We're good on that. Here is the thing. And this is where we're going to kind of like my conclusions part for the game. Do you need all of them with the game? And that's the question. When we play um, Endless Winter, we only play with the cave paintings, with all the modules. We play with all the modules and the cave painting expansion. We haven't played with the rafts expansions yet. Uh, hopefully before the, the end of the trilogy, I will play with that one. In that way, I can just, you know, wrap it up with, with that one. But... um. Uh, do you need to have both expansions in Dune Imperium? And my answer just comes very, very straightforward with a very solid and loud yes. Yes, yes, yes. A thousand times yes. Dune Imperium by itself, by itself, it's a great game. I think it's a very, very great game without expansions. And I will tell you right now, if you... If Dune Imperium didn't have expansions and you would have put me Endless Winter and Aranac, I would probably be like, okay, there's no way that this can like be as good as Endless Winter to begin with. And I don't know about as good as Aranac, just with the base game. But once you add these two expansions, it's like a completely polished, more um, um, frenetic and more um, even thematic um, and engaging game. Right? It feels very epic. It feels like there's a lot going on. Um, not everything is perfect, but it, it's very close. You know, it's, it's very well polished. And now it doesn't feel like spaces are wasted in the board. So, for example, from the main game, that exchanging currency space, yes, you can use it to get more Solari and, you know, sell spice, get Solari to get your extra worker. But it doesn't feel as powerful or, or as, a, you know, a, a, attractive as, as, as a place to go that people will be fighting to go to. Now that you have, you know, the Rise of X expansion, when you have the Frightener and, 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 and the Influence, or I'm sorry, Negotiation track, it's like, well, you have those new spaces that they are better, right? And, and, and they, they also modify a little bit of the High Council uh, actions. They basically just did a couple of improvements to make it better. But anyway, the important thing is those two things with the Dreadnoughts and the Frighter. And, and back, just by that, it's like, wow, like you polish that part of the board like big, big, big time. I forgot to mention as well that with the with the with the dreadnoughts you can bring them also as a unit to fight and they also will, uh, will allow you during the game I didn't explain this rule but during the base game at some point you're going to gain control with your banners from some of the locations and once someone including yourself go to that location to get resources you also get an extra resource well with the dreadnoughts uh, not only they help you to to you know as a as a two units in combat but also, once you take them away from combat, they go to a random place and they take control of that place for you. Like, kind of like if you had a banner. So that's pretty cool and pretty fantastic, you know? It makes you more powerful. And then with the, with the immortality expansion, you know, the research track and the Tlaliox track and all the stuff, it just adds more stuff that you're looking forward to. Now you have also the opportunity to start to focus on research which is something that we haven't reviewed yet, but Arnak has as well with the research track. Well, now you can research here, 
get better rewards, get other types of cards. And also the second and third expansion, it really brings up the combos that you can do. And it's not so much of an engine building, but the combos that you can do with your cards as you play them. Versus before in the base game, it was like, okay, I play my cards sort of like Endless Winter and Eclipse phase. Okay, I will hold these two, this card in my hand because in the end of my round, I can get more uh, um, currency to buy cards to better my deck but also I can save cards for combat. Well, now you have on top of that the ability that uh, this card on load, do more abilities at that time and, you know, get more powerful, buy different types of cards. Uh, I'm sure that for people that read the books, um, you know, uh, from Dune, they're probably loving all, all, the, all, the, all the content here because I'm sure that as, as the movies come, we're probably going to see some of these characters there. And then at that point, we're going to feel like, oh my God, it's even more thematic than what we thought. Like for me, for example, that I haven't read the books, which I want to, but I only have seen the movie. Um, the game feels thematic, very, very thematic, but there's some stuff that is still, uh, they're still unknown for me. Like this, the immorality expansion, like I don't know what they're talking about. I, I, it's cool. It works fantastically with the game, but story-wise, I, I, I don't get the full grasp of it, right? But it's because because I haven't read the books, but I'm sure like people that have read the books, they have a completely different perspective and they're like, oh my God, this is so thematic. And the leaders that they probably know from the books as well, that they're here most likely, they're like, oh my God, and is this guy I remember on book two or book three, whatever. So, you know, just like if I play a Star Wars game or a Lord of the Rings game that I recognize the characters, well, it's probably the same thing here with fans of the saga of, of Dune. So I can definitely see that how it works is just... I wish I could have read the books now and that way I could be more attached to the story. Now, it does make sense, once again, components-wise and expansion-wise and how they work with each other. It's just that I don't have the knowledge of who those people are, which at the end of the day, I mean, you don't have to because it works very well with the game. Uh, I'm just saying that it would be even like more hyped. Um, I think definitely you have to play this game with all the expansions, definitely. Um, I think that's the way to go. Um, you know, components-wise on the game, I mean... I'm not a huge fan of the components, of the retail components of the game. Uh, you know, basically, the workers are meeples, the army are cubes, uh, the ships or the dragnauts are like meeple with meeples with spaceships designs. So uh, you can get the deluxe stuff from Direwolf's games as well, and you can pimp up your game and it will look fantastic. What I did... It's uh, since I bought the game back then when it was very hard to find. I went through Etsy, which is an American, um, you know, uh, online store where people uh, put their own creations for sale, basically. Uh, and I bought some 3D uh, printing of the characters, of the army, of the ships, and everything. And I love it. You can see the pictures of this game when I have played it once again on my Instagram and Facebook at Solo BG Podcast, Twitter as well. Um, and, and, and that's how I pimp it up, and I loved it. But the components from the game, I think, I think from the retail version, they're not my favorite. I mean, if you, if I mean, I feel like this is where Dune Imperium really hurts in comparison to Endless Winter, because Endless Winters, for example, I have the retail version, and it's it's mind blowing the components and game trays and you know miniatures. And everything. I mean, it's, it's beautiful, well produced, right? There's still some stuff that the acrylic tokens, for example, that they're from the from the, the from the Kickstarter Deluxe Edition and the double layer uh, boards for the monoliths. But um, other than that, I mean, the game is almost feels like a Kickstarter Edition game. This one in comp- in, in, in the difference, w- w- you know, the retail edition of, of Dune Imperium, even with expansions, is like it's it's a good product. But it's nothing like crazy, like, oh my god, beautiful production. It really is not. The art is very good. You get the art from the pictures, and it's actually very nice appealing, and, and, and it's good. It's very well done. I'm talking about the components as far as, like, tokens and, 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 and meeples and stuff. I mean, they're not my favorite. They're not terrible, but it's just, like, very normal on that end. So that's one recommendation that I will basically do every time, that if you... Uh, if you want, if you love Dune Imperium, then you want to get upgrades either from the publisher or from any other um, person that prints minis or stuff. Or if you print minis and you can do your own components, I guess you can do that as well. As far as the solo mode, I mentioned this in the past. Um, I think uh, this game works beautifully three players. Three players is the sweet spot for this game. 
it just feels well with that both expansions three players it, it can be manageable very well if you have four players it's still gonna be fun it's gonna be probably gonna have a little bit of more ap because at some point everything will be blocked and it's like the tension of of that so that's why i think three players is the sweet spot for this game with the expansion one thing though is that this game does and that's when i was the first time i tried i was like huh i wonder how it will work the solo mode the solo mode the ai is very straightforward in regards to the deck of cards it's like you reveal a card for one enemy and it tells you where to go and if he cannot go there he will t- you will draw another card and then you will go wherever he can go or she uh and then you're gonna have also when you go to combat when they go to combat you reveal one card for combat and at the bottom it will have how many combat extra stuff they get that's it they want to get resources because resources they will change every eight resources most likely they will change it for victory points that's another good way um you know the intrigue cards they want to get intrigue cards because they exchange the intrigue cards get you guess right for victory points so doing that it mimics and imitates very well the need for the AI to go and get spice and solary and water and get influence and all that stuff. Because they also, just like you, are trying to gain victory points and win combats to win the better reward in the round. So they did a very, very cool system that basically it imitates like you're playing with someone. Now, when the solo mode it takes that you have to have two enemies, I was like, uh here we're going into another, <laughs> no, it's very different, but into another zombie side territory where that when you play solo, you have to control like six characters or a million characters or whatever. I was very surprised and blown away that how easy and straightforward works and how the solo mode of Dune Imperium, actually, it goes over the top in comparison to the other ones, yet because you actually feel like you're playing with two other people there without the need of struggling or thinking what to do on their turns. They just do it right away, very fast. And you might think, well, if they do it very fast and straightforward, they're probably just in an automatic optimization and it feels like they don't think, they're just locking you. No, 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 no. It feels (laughs) like they're thinking, they're blocking you, and they're getting what they need, and they're also messing with your strategy. So they have all those aspects. It's like I was like, wow, <laughs> when I tried it. Uh, it. It makes it very hard. It has different difficulties that you can adjust as the solo mode goes. But it makes it hard, it makes it fun, and it makes it uh, challenging, and it makes it enjoyable at a, at a very pleasant level. Um, so uh, with that being said, for me, doing Imperium by itself by itself now after i try the expansions dune imperium will be 3.8 almost 4 by itself when you add everything the two expansions and once again this is the unfair part because once again i got etsy upgrades all right and i mentioned this in the past I like and I appreciate a board game as a, as a whole production. I want to see components. I want to see visuals. I want to see mechanics. I want to see immersiveness. I want to see all that. All right. My version of Dune Imperium, which is with upgrades from Etsy, upgrades basically for everything. I'm just missing the neoprene mat, um, you know, as a fine made, I guess. But my production of Dune Imperium, or the one that I own with both expansions, for me, for me, it's probably a 4.8. So one point above, like getting almost there at a 5 out of 5, right? But if I take those components away and I just put what comes in the base game, I mean on the on the base game expansion, but just like it is, nothing deluxe, nothing, um, probably a 4.5. Probably a 4.5 out of 5. So I love my version because I deluxified, but you get the idea. So... That's what I think about the game. Now, specifically, exclusively talking about the solo mode. A solo mode evaluation, solo mode classification for Dune Imperium. I think for me, Dune Imperium, with the solo mode, only solo mode, okay? Listen to this. Only solo mode. (laughs) I want to be very clear again. If I had to play Dune Imperium, solo mode only, with my components, or with the deluxe components. For me, with both expansions, 
for me, it's a 5 out of 5. Solo. It's just... It's probably... Probably the only Euro that I can give solo mode 5 out of 5. Because how well it does. Like, literally, you've playing with two other players there. And they're doing it great. And it's so easy to play. And I was like, wow. <laughs> when I play this game and I put the soundtrack and I'm, and I'm letting myself go. And I'm pulling the treaties. And, you know, and going here and going there and get spicy, exchanging. I need to, uh, uh, you know, get a, uh, influence with this house and this and that. And then the enemies, I play the Emperor and I play Batista. I call Batista, you know, the actor. Play it there with against, against those two and they're trying to go here, fight me and getting powerful. And then usually most of my experience has been like, okay, like one enemy is going like in five points. I'm going four. I'm just behind and the other one is staying like in one. But then at some point the game started progressing balance that the one starts to catch up and suddenly we are all like in nine and eight just about being at the end game but very tight and it's just crazy. All my experience with solo mode has been like that, very well balanced. The game has that as well. That is very well balanced. One thing that I don't like about the game, Dorian, I have to say it, it's... The, the huge amount of cards that you get if you put all together. It's like a huge amount of cards were from for the Imperium row, for the market that where you can get cards. So I'm glad that you have those tokens from the Immortality expansion where you can discard all the cards and get five more. If you play it solo, though, you don't give the enemies that token. So you can only use yours. And that's the caveat that is like, okay, well... Most likely you won't get to see all the cards, but neither in the multiplayer. It will help those tokens, but you won't see all the cards either. So when you think about that, it's like, well, isn't that terrible? It's not that terrible then. So that's another, you know, one observation for the game besides the components. But and that's it, folks, for me. Like I said, solo mode. This is a five out of five with both expansions. Um, you know, if without the solo and with the expansions, nothing deluxe. Probably a four point five. And just the base game of Dune without the expansion, which I wouldn't understand, at least to myself, playing it without the expansions. Um, neither to anyone that likes this game to play it without the expansion, then probably for me it's a 3.8, 3.8 around there, and that would be it, right? <laughs> but with the locks or without the locks. So so that was the episode of, of, of Dune Imperium. Once again, part two of the trilogy. Um, I hope you enjoyed it. <laughs> I hope you enjoyed my, my, my take on the game. Uh, so far, I cannot tell you who, uh, who is winning between Endless Winter and this one. Um, until I, I review Arnak with the Leader's exp Expedition as well, or Expansion. Um, which it will be on the next episode. Which I'm going to do the commitment with you <laughs> to have it in two weeks. And that way we can come back to the constantly... Uh, characteristic that solo bg podcast has uh, i got some new games that i need to play from my shelf of shame i have bad company recently i have brazil imperial as well uh, i have let me see i'm going through here i got the new expansion for australia the tasmania which allows you to play the it has a double board and allows you to play the game uh, in a campaign uh, when you play cooperative i got dog park the deluxe edition which is a beautiful production game. I will talk about th that game in, the, in a future episode. I have Sheriff of Nottingham, the new edition. I have the new Kickstarter from uh, Maximum Apocalypse, Wastelines, and Time Traveler uh, from Mike and Aid, our Rock Manor Games. And Todos Died in Rhinos as well. Thank you so much to the publisher, Draco Studios, for sending a copy of that. I haven't, I'm going to try it solo. I have the Judge Thread from Martin Wallace as well that I haven't played. I need to buy the expansion to play it solo. Um, you know, um, uh, what else I have? Uh, Raiders of Scythia, I haven't tried it. Um, I have a bunch of games that I need to try and, and talk to you about it very, very soon in a future episode. Uh, Libertalia, which once again, I think I talked already about an episode. I played the Starship's Captain. It was sent to me a review copy from CGE. Ooh, I will tell you my thoughts on that one. You probably can get the idea by my expression right now. Um, and, um, and that's it. I have way more stuff. I have The Loop, which I haven't opened it I still. Some of my vinyl uh, games from Talon Strike games that I haven't played. Um, and Hamlet, uh, the village building game, Ram Mighty Boards as well, Kickstarter. haven't played it. I played Frostpunk, the board game. Um, that's a very epic game, by the way. It has some interesting things. So anyway, uh, Lord of the Rings, the card game, the revised edition too. I want to play that one very soon. I played Mega Man, Mega Man recently, um, published by Blacklist Games. Oh my God, there's a bunch of stuff with Blacklist Games. Uh, in cast production, designed by Michael Kelly and Peter Gossis. Hope I pronounced it correctly. Fantastic game. Great game. If you like Mega Man, if you like 
the nostalgia of playing NES and Super NES games into your table. This is probably the most close thematic-wise that it feels to playing a video game, NES game. Mega Man Adventures. Michael Kelly and Peter did a great job. I love the game. I'm playing the campaign. And once I finish the campaign, I will tell you all about it as well. So sad that this game is very hard to find. As you probably can uh, relate if you have been around the whole Blacklist Games situation. But anyway, this was uh, episode, once again, number 121. Thank you so much for listening. I promise you, I'll be very, I'll be back very, 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 very soon. And with the last part of the trilogy, and we will have a champion then. Uh, please reach out to me if you like to do so at solobgpodcast at gmail.com. Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. That's where you can interact directly with me. Tell me your thoughts. If you have a chance to listen to the previous episode and this one about the trilogy, which one is your favorite, uh, you know, reach out to me with anything. I will really appreciate it. And thank you so much for taking the time to listen to this episode and taking the time for uh, talking to me or listening to me talking about board games. I wish you nothing for the best. And I'm sorry, nothing for the best. No, nothing. I, I wish you everything good. <laughs> That's what I'm trying to say. I wish you all the best. And like always, until next time, see you through the speaker. Oh, let me put the break here before I forget. I always forget things before I say goodbye. Remember that Solo BG podcast, it's a part of the Dice Tower Network. And you can listen to another amazing podcast, you know, at the DiceTower.com. You can watch their content on the on YouTube as well, as you know. Uh, but Solo BG podcast is a proud um a proud member of the network of solo of uh, solo of dice tower network i think i'm not forgetting anything now so like i said i wish you all the best and until next time see you through the speaker and at the tabletop drink tequila spit summer at a mexican bar steven austin davy crockett and i'm driving my car to go